you're listening to Countdown to Eternity, online at countdown2eternity.com. This is the weekly ministry featuring well-known author and apologist Don Stewart and Pastor James Cadiz of Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. Together they examine current events and connect what's going on in our world to Bible prophecy. Here's Pastor James to set the table for today's talk. Well, hello, my dear brothers and sisters. I want to welcome you to another episode of Countdown to Eternity. And what an episode this one will promise to be because we are all about Israel today. And there is a lot going on in Israel. Now, I don't think we've had much of an opportunity to talk about a Bible study that Don did that was spectacular, a very special Bible study. We mentioned it last week. Uh, He did it on New Year's Day. It is posted on our YouTube page, and it relates a little bit to some of the things we're going to be talking about today. I am with the great Don Stewart, of course. How are you, my dear brother? And maybe we can talk about that, and then let's get into it, because we've got some big headlines. Yeah, I'm doing great. Hi, everybody. The talk was basically one I call the Bible and Tomorrow's News, and it looks at 12 specific predictions in the Bible made anywhere from two to 3,000, 3,500 years ago about what the world would look like at the time of the end. And you couldn't predict these, you know, in a million years by chance. And if you got one, even one of them right, it would be amazing. But God got all 12 of them right. We're not surprised. So we talk about that, the 12 specific predictions that Scripture makes about what the world will be like in the last days. And so hopefully it's an encouraging message and a message that which we ended with by saying, look, we've got other predictions too. And that is, we're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. We're going to, you know, have joy unspeakable. We're not going to have any more tears or crying or pain. And he's come through on all the previous predictions. He's going to come through on this one too. Yeah. Amen to that. And uh, he continues to demonstrate the fact that everything he declares in his word is true and real. And it is uh, incredible to contemplate that for just one minute. Uh, to realize that when God says something, he says it with uh, insane accuracy, right? Mm. Infallible accuracy. And um, the things that we're watching materialize right now is directly indicative of him setting the stage in a way uh, you just can't make up. Like you, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. No, you can't. And it's really interesting. And there are some unique headlines right now that are really getting our attention. So uh, maybe we talk about that. Yeah, let's do it, because Israel is God's timepiece. We've mentioned it before. We'll mention it again. The nation is the hour hand on God's clock. The city of Jerusalem is the minute hand, but the second hand is the temple mount, and that's where we keep our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, we are absolutely in the very core, the epicenter of it all, as we are looking at titles uh, news stories that directly center around um, that second hand, right? Uh, yep. And and I used to remember this, you know, Don, when I first started teaching the Bible and Bible prophecy 30 years ago, I mean, we'd practically have to wear diapers because of the excitement produced by getting one or two stories uh, in Jerusalem, much more the Temple Mount. And now we're getting what feels like 30, 40, 50 a week, uh, in some cases a day, regarding what's going on. And so um, we have members of the Knesset, right, who are on a very official basis making some moves that are undoubtedly triggering lots of change in the region and in Israel. Perhaps 
one of the most significant um, directions it would seem as though Israel is going into is something that may create some kind of a regional war with Iran right now, and probably rightly so, not that we are anybody who would encourage war, uh, but it's very interesting, and it relates to the new defense minister appointed by Bibi Netanyahu, uh, Minister Yov Gallant, and um, he is admittedly uh, very, very pro-Israel Zionist, which I consider to be very good, um, but he's serious about Israel's security. And he is not going to waver anymore with respect to what the what they call the international community uh, says concerning the JCPOA. Maybe you could talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, there was this agreement called the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, which was never voted on. It was not a treaty. Uh, the Obama administration did an end run around Congress and made an agreement with the United Nations, the Security Council. That's basically to let Iran off the hook, uh, unfreeze some of their assets, $150 billion, if they would do certain things with respect to enriching uranium to weapons grade. And so that's been in, in you know going on since 2015. Now, what they didn't do, unfortunately, that's the U.S., is make any restrictions about their missile development program because there's two things you need if you're going to you know send a missile to, to some country to destroy it. You need the weapon, obviously, the nuclear weapon, and the, but you need the delivery system. Well, they've been able to work on their delivery system for eight years now to get it down to pretty well. And so that in concert with a nuclear weapon, and that would be it for Israel if it ever hit Israel. The Ayatollah, the leader of Israel, the present one, wrote a book a couple of years ago. I think he titled it in, in Farsi, The Bomb. And basically says, all we need is one bomb because we've got a big enough one. Israel's gone. We could destroy it. And Israel knows that. So they've done all kinds of things in the defense there of their country. But in the past, they've had the United States on their side. But right now, as we've talked about before, and we'll talk about another story, the United States seems to be everything, doing everything to keep Israel uh, from being safe and uh, penalizing Iran for their actions. And so now that the Netanyahu administration is in power, they, they're wanting to do something about Iran, something proactively, because they can't afford to take the risk that the one bomb would hit them and destroy them once and for all. So this new defense minister, Yoav Gallant, is the man that uh, Netanyahu's appointed, and he is not afraid, he said, to make some unilateral decisions, even without the United States, to uh, do something to Iran. So that is uh, why the headline, Time to Pull the Trigger, mm -mm. very, very interesting, James. Yeah, and uh, it should not come as a surprise to those of us who are watching and monitoring the region. Um, we've always understood the fact that it would require some level of unilateral action um, as opposed to the international community's multilateral mindset that they've been pursuing. But unfortunately, let's just talk about the unilateralist uh, movements that have been happening as of late. Um, first of all, it is interesting, and I would call it unilateralist in nature, even though uh, there are so many members uh, or member states that are actually supporting this. But uh, the United Nations has, in essence, in a very unilateral way, targeted uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, they have told uh, Israel to, first of all, they've declared the reestablishment of the nation of Israel after 2,000 years of having no national identity, uh, nothing like that being reestablished by the Lord, they have now uh, referred to it as a disaster, right? 
uh, a catastrophe is the exact word. And then within a week of that time, they go in demanding that Israel turn over their nuclear weapons, even though <laughs> Israel has never conceded to have any nuclear weapons. Of course, we know that they do. Um, yet the reason that they are citing for the turning over of nuclear weapons is the potential for irresponsible behavior by Israel in the utilization of those weapons. Yet their neighbor, Iran, right, has already cited the need to behave not only irresponsibly and negligently, but destructively and nefariously using the tools that they have been holding fast to with the development of nuclear weapon. And yet Iran is not mentioned at all by that same body of nations. What a ridiculous level of hypocrisy and what kind of an arrogant assertion uh, is it for somebody to actually say that Israel is a danger to the region when in essence Israel has been perhaps the most measured voice ever in the history of that region? Yeah, uh, it's it's so odd, James, but not surprising knowing the Bible, because the Bible talks about the hatred that will be for Israel. It's a spiritual hatred that you have the UN censuring Israel more than all of the other countries in the world combined. In other words, you count North Korea, Syria, uh, just go down the list of who they all might be, Iran. They don't, you know, Israel's been censured more than any of all these other ones combined, number one. Uh, number two, Israel is not going around saying death to Iran every day, as Iran says death to Israel and claiming, you know, what their nuclear weapons are going to destroy them once and for all. And what's also interesting, the United Nations itself, I mean, talk about a joke. Uh, one of the things we, you know, one of the headlines here that really uh, kind of tells it all, 70%, 70% of the United Nations rights council members on the Council for Human Rights, 70% of these nations are non-democracies. <laughs> what a what an absolute embarrassment. Yeah. What what a what a complete joke. And I continue to look at things like this and then you have people who are supposedly Christian leaders mm. who actually in some cases refer to themselves as Zionists and sympathizers with Israel who will write an article like this. Israelis have every right to visit the Temple Mount, but Ben Gavir's timing is terrible. Mm. Uh, Don, can I just ask you this question? Sure. Is there ever a good timing for a member <laughs> of the Knesset to actually stand up for the rights of Jews to be able to worship on the Temple Mount the same way other people groups are able to worship? Not according to leftists, there isn't. Uh, it's, it's almost like what happened. Remember when Trump moved the, uh, the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? How something like five or six presidents previously promised they would do it, but they never did because it wasn't time. It's one of those things. Uh, well, yeah, there'll be a time, but it's not now. Well, then when is it? Because there'll never be a time because the world doesn't want to see that happen. The world hates Israel. And so to say that uh, is just really, really, really wrong. Ben Gavir is a member of the Knesset. He got voted in his party, got quite a few seats, actually. Helped put Netanyahu over the top with his coalition government. And uh, basically, he just walked on the Temple Mount. He didn't make any big show of it. He didn't say, we're going to build a new temple. He didn't even say freedom of worship. He didn't, you know, he just walked on it because he's an Israeli. He's got the right to do it. Because let's remember, James, in 1967, the Temple Mount was liberated by Israel. Even though the custodianship 10 days later was given back to Jordan, 
uh, part of the agreement was is the Israelis could worship freely on the Temple Mount, Christians and Jews, which has never been the case uh, since 19, well, even before 67, but especially then, even though it's in Israeli territory. So all he's doing is saying, look, I'm an Israeli citizen. This is the most sacred place in our nation's history. If I could want to walk up here, if I want to pray up here, what's wrong with that? And yet the world goes crazy. They make all these lying stories. Well, you're going to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque. You're going to build a third temple, this and that. No, he just wanted, you know, he just wanted to set the stage and set uh, the record straight that this is this is all he's doing because it is their territory. But uh, unfortunately, the world uh, anti-Semitic just hates Israel and hates anything they do. So that's why we see this type of response. Yeah, and it's very interesting. We talk about the Hayel party. I think in the United States, we refer to him as a JNF. Um, the, the influence that they have had in the coalition that has really gotten behind Netanyahu is pretty remarkable. Yeah. It's amazing to me. And, and again, I think this is more evidence of the fact that God is moving here because um, remember, uh, yes, he is the most prominent figure, maybe besides Israel Katz in the Lahud party, right? But people forget this. They don't recognize this. But Bibi is not a religious leader. Matter of fact, Lahud is not even really considered to be a religious party, yet they are uh, widely accepted and very much uh, supported by what they call the far-right religious party. Uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting to think about the uh, political implications of it. What's even more interesting to me when I think it through for a minute is how God had to have orchestrated that, right? I mean, and we know that God sovereignly orchestrates the existence of every uh, national leader and uh, uh, you know government organization. They're puppets in his hands. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting how you cannot get such a uniquely uh, uh, strategized infrastructure right now for, for such a time as this. I'm, I'm mind blown by it, right? I'm mind blown by the uh, forwardness uh, that is happening right now with respect to the uh, what they call the right wing in Israel and um, how much, how widely it's being accepted, even by those considered to be leftists or people sympathizing with leftists. And, and we can thank a lot of that uh, to the previous prime minister. The previous prime minister kind of opened up the door for people to kind of hate the leftist sentiment in Israel. So this is uh, this is all very interesting, but it's clearly the hand of God orchestrating all of this. Yeah, and one of the things we continue to mention here is there's changes that are taking place now in Israel and in the Middle East, incremental changes, setting the stage where the Bible says these nations will be at at the time of the end. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. But we see movements that way. Now, we don't know when the end is going to be the end, but we know we're moving towards that. But the fact that we even see a right-wing government in, a man like Ben Gavir in a position of, you know, of leadership there, and who wants to see a third temple built, wants freedom of worship there, but also, um, you know, is wants law and order in Israel, wants Israel to recognize that they were created as a, you know, Zionist state, they're a Jewish state, that's why they were created, and a, and a state where both Jews and Gentiles can live in. And so it's it's wonderful to see in the sense that God's word is playing itself out there, James, in the temple, again, center stage. One of the books I've written, it's called The Jews, Jerusalem, and the Coming Temple. It's on our website, educatingourworld.com. It's a free download. And we talk about in detail this whole situation of the past, what's happening in the present, what's going to happen in the future. And it's fascinating to watch even the 
possibility of, you know, freedom of worship of a temple being built, which is mind boggling, which, you know, a hundred years ago, people thought if you even dreamt of something like that, you were a fool because it couldn't happen. But yet uh, it, it has uh, the stages being set. We'll just kind of wait and see what takes place. Yeah. And this is so remarkable to me. Like I said, I am uh, astounded by what I'm actually seeing in so many of these headlines and, and what's actually taking place. Uh, perhaps to me, what may be one of the most intriguing uh, of the headlines uh, that I think we are looking at is um, uh, let me let me find it to you because I want to I want to bring it up uh, with respect to Israel. Here it is. Um, Will Ben Gavir spark a war or a dramatic change in the status quo on the Temple Mount? By the way, happens to be a very common question being asked right now, especially, by the way, when, and this is another headline, when a rocket launch from Gaza has taken place over threats of Ben Gavir's Temple Mount visit, then the, the visit happens. And it happens rather hastily, and some people will call it rather flamboyantly, and yet there doesn't seem to be the same kind of backlash that a lot of people were actually expecting. So what does that mean? Are we gearing up for what may be a war created by the unilateral action of one specific member of a party? Or could we be looking at a very concerted effort to create a condition on the Temple Mount that will be indicative of what we will see happen eventually for what we read about in Revelation 13. Yeah, that's one of the interesting questions. And the answer is we don't know. There's a lots of possible scenarios, and God comes up with things we hardly ever think of, and as we've seen that in the, in the recent decades. So it's going to be fascinating to watch and see what takes place. We know that there's a movement towards these things, but how they'll all get into place you know, it'll happen in the right time and God is orchestrating it. But it is interesting to see you've got players in place that want to move towards that direction. But, you know, there's a timing factor in all this, James. So we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. But it is interesting, all the possibilities that are there. We talked about a regional war between Israel and Iran, which is not impossible because the U.S. will have basically Israel go on its own, it seems, if they want to do something to the Iranian you know, a military complex, and that could spark a, a regional war. It wouldn't be Ezekiel 38, 39, but guaranteed, James, all these people would come out. This is Ezekiel 38, 39. This is the one that has nothing to do with it, but it, it could be a, a stage setter for some of the next things that we expect to see. Because remember, Israel, when they are attacked eventually, are not expecting it. They, they're, they're, they're looking good. They think they're doing fine. But right now they're, 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 they're armed to the teeth. And so they're not, they're not, they don't, breathes for a minute. They're always watching to see what's going to happen next. So it's interesting to see how it's all playing out. Well, you know, we'll see, but we'll just uh, watch uh, watch the events and watch how they fit with what God said is going to happen. Yeah, and this is Ezekiel 38, 39, as much as Russia being in Ukraine is Ezekiel 38 and 39. Exactly. Um, <laughs> now, what this does have in common with Russia being in Ukraine is it continues to contribute uh, to the mechanism of stage setting that God is continuing to accomplish. But I think it's also important, not that I'm minimizing the historic things that we're actually witnessing right now, but I do think it's important to acknowledge the fact that God has been stage setting for thousands of years. God has been stage setting from before the time he gave the prophets the words to share 
uh, what have been shared. And I'm not saying that in an attempt to say, well, God's been doing it for so long, so let's minimize what we're watching right now. Undoubtedly, we are watching a frequency of things happening, increasing. We are undoubtedly watching a lot of signs, as you shared in your study on New Year's Day, that these things are around the corner. The, the question uh, is never about that. The question just tends to be uh, by a lot of people when, and God's answer to that is it's not for you to know. But what is for you to know is that uh, there is a time where this will happen. It will be sooner than a lot of people actually think. And the reality of it is we need to live as though it's going to happen in five minutes. Um, I, I think that that's the, that's the reality of it. Now, um, we have been saying this to people for 30 years. That could happen any day. He could, he could be around the corner, but we just don't know. Um, but how much more fruitful is our lives when we live as though he's going to be coming by the end of the day, knowing uh, what's ahead of us? I mean, imagine how much more fruitful our lives would be if we lived that way, thinking that way. And unfortunately, so many people don't. Yeah, it is unfortunate they do not. But we're again, we're seeing the stage being set. We're seeing God's word play itself out with the lineup that's there uh, for the final act, the curtain to go up. That's that's just a timing thing in God's God's program. But what we do see, James, miraculously, is the players still exist. Israel still uh-huh. exists. The nations are going to attack Israel. Exist. They exist now as a coalition. The nations that will pro- that will question whether they protest, you know, they'll protest something. They may protest, hey, how come we're not in on this, you know, if you're taking spoil? But the point is, they're not part of the, the coalition. And then you've got the nations that are not mentioned, like Egypt and the United States, that are going to be sitting on the sidelines. So all this... Uh, is, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's all happening now. It's all being set up. So it's just a matter of timing. That's why God's word is true. It's going to take place in his time. And we just watch it. And we just, again, proclaim the fact that there is a God that exists. He's told us what's going to happen in the future. The stage is getting set. So we live each day like it could be today. Amen and amen. And Don, I could not agree with you more. I want to give you, we have about two minutes and I want to give you the final word, but I kind of want to do something a little bit different this time. Sure. Um, As we close, what would you say to anybody who would naysay about this? When, you know, when I say that, meaning somebody who would say, come on, there's no way, there's no way this could happen. It's not going to happen. You've been saying it for years and years and years and years and years. How would you respond or how should we respond in a situation like that? I'll give you the last word. Well, thank you. Well, that's why I did the message I did on New Year's Day, because I mentioned 12 specific things that the Bible predicts the world will be like at the time of the end. so where we can know, you know, God's kingdom's coming to earth. And if one of them happened by chance, like we said, it'd be miraculous. All 12 of them are in place or, or beginning to be fulfilled or the stage is set. And literally, if you look at that objectively and honestly, what other, I mean, how are you going to respond to something like that? Like we just said, Israel still exists. Uh, Christians and Jews, the two people groups that are being persecuted. How do, how did the Bible know they would still exist? Remember, Jesus talked about uh, the Gentiles will be big in the kingdom of God. Well, you know, any other religious leader after he died and claimed to be Messiah has gone by the wayside. Yet who's the biggest believer in this Jew, Jesus? It's the Gentiles, right? And so it's amazing how all these things, James, one here, one there, falling into place, proving the Bible is what it claims to be the word of the living God. So the responsibility for people is to open their eyes and listen to what God has said. He's spoken. So the evidence is there. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Amen, amen, and amen. And folks, please spend some time studying this. Spend some time looking at this. We have lots of resources available to you. You can go to educatingourworld.com. 
there are so many other places uh, that we've made available to you, uh, all involving Don's resources that he has uh, painstakingly made time to make available. We have lots of videos on the Calvary Chapel Signal Hill YouTube page and uh, Light on the Hill Radio and countdown the number to eternity.com. But don't forget, educatingourworld.com is perhaps one of the best hubs for a majority of that material, and it's all available for free. We want to bless you guys and build you up. And so um, we're out of time. And so I will say this on behalf of the great Don Stewart. This is James Cadiz. We want to thank you guys for being here with us. We know you have many choices to what to do with your time, but we know undoubtedly that times are changing and they're changing quickly. We love you guys. May God richly bless you. And thank you for joining us for another episode of Countdown to Eternity. May God richly bless you. Thank you for joining us for Countdown to Eternity with Pastors James Cadiz and Don Stewart. Did you know you can hear our program by podcast? It's available wherever you get your podcasts. We're also at CountdownToEternity.com. Countdown the number two, Eternity.com. Don Stewart is an author. Some of his books include The Rapture, What Happens One Second After We Die, and Heaven. You can access all of them for free at EducatingOurWorld.com. Again, EducatingOurWorld.com. Pastor James also releases daily videos. Many of them relate to Bible prophecy. It's a good way to stay up to date with current events. Follow Countdown to Eternity, Educating Our World, and James Cadiz on Instagram and Facebook. And then subscribe to our YouTube channel at Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. By the way, that's the place to go to watch the video version of Countdown to Eternity. It's on Rumble and YouTube. It's your generosity that helps us bring these shows to the radio and internet every week. So thank you for standing with us at a critical time in human history. Donations can be made at CountdownToEternity.com. That's all the time we have for today, but come back next week as we continue to count down to eternity with James Cadiz and Don Stewart. This program is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Signal Hill.